Well, we're continuing our second week on this new collection we started last week called Killers with a Z. Hey, watch out now. Talked about faith last week. This week, I want to talk about pride. So for some of you, it's going to be a real easy message. For those of us that are human, it may be just a little more difficult. All right, tough crowd tonight. It's all right. I'm just getting warmed up. Luckily, it's not on me. Joke's good or bad. Holy Spirit's got you tonight. Don't worry. My title for tonight is, I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. Sometimes you got to say it until you really believe it. I'm not embarrassed. Have you ever been embarrassed before? Thank you. I'm not the only one. You've, you've went up to the door that said, push, and you pulled, and it was glass. People were on the inside, and they were looking at you. And nobody said anything when you walked in like, hey, you're dumb, but you felt it, you know? Perhaps you uh, driving down the road, left the gas cap open on your car. Person's waving at you next to you, and you're like, yeah, thanks, it's a new haircut, feeling really good about it. They're like, no, roll in the window. They're like, oh, what's sweet, they want to give me money. No, they're like, hey, moron, worst person ever alive. You know, they're trying to be really nice, but you're feeling so small. The gas cap is open. And you, you feel like in your head instantly like, why am I not intelligent? But it's just a small little thing. It's not a big deal. This is a gas cap. Maybe you're sitting in a chair and someone pulls the chair out from under you. There's no control that you have on that. But you're embarrassed because you fall on the ground in favor of everyone. Maybe it was a teacher growing up or maybe currently that told you you weren't smart in front of everyone. Or maybe you yourself were in a setting where you raised your hand to say an answer and you knew wholeheartedly, without a doubt, you had the right answer but it was the wrong answer? Am I the only one? Even worse, it was in like a Christian setting, so your spirituality was on the line of some sort. I asked the interns the other day, I said, I said, how, how long was the ark that Moses built? And I let some of them answer it. I let all of them answer it. And I told all of them they were wrong because Moses didn't build an ark. It was Noah. <laughs> Maybe you got up to talk in front of somebody and your zipper was down. God forbid. That's why I'm wearing a long shirt. I check at least 10 times before I come up here. I pray in the Spirit. Holy Spirit, give me wisdom, insight, supernatural ability to keep my zipper up. And from there, I know you got the rest. Maybe you're at the table with some friends. All these are real life for me. So if they're not for you, then just bear with my pain. You're at the table with some friends. You know, you're the new guy, the new gal. And you go to shake someone's hand and you knock over the drink and spill it. And the thing is, what we feel in those moments a lot of times is embarrassment. But I want to talk about this concept of embarrassment, how it came into the world. I think it really has a root that has rooted itself in pride. And I think without this thing called pride, we wouldn't feel embarrassed because all of our identity would be in Christ. You see, in Genesis chapter 3, if you want to turn there with me, in Genesis chapter 3, sin comes into the world for the very first time. And as sin comes into the world for the very first time, it comes to the serpent who is craftier than all the other creatures, into the garden. And it's interesting that it inserts itself into marriage. The devil's been hating marriage since the very beginning. Quick plug, 
Next week, we're doing marriage killers. If you're married, single, dating, you want to be here for it. And maybe or maybe not, my wife might be up here with me doing it. So, hey, <laughs> preaching together. I asked her, we were on a walk this, this, whenever it was, maybe the beginning of the week. And I said, hey, I've been working on the marriage killers. I said, would you want to preach it with me? And she said, and I quote, that sounds fun. Typically, I'm like, hey, you want to preach this? And she's like, uh, I don't know, like lots of stuff's going on, you know. But she said, that sounds like fun. So either the mom delirium has totally changed her mind or she's really excited about it. Come this next Sunday, find out. Anyways, the snake's in the garden. He attacks marriage. She said, that sounds like fun. That's what she said. It tempts Eve while her husband is away. Note. Note that the temptation comes, we get, tempt, we get tempted all the time. Temptation is not the bad thing. We cannot stop temptation from happening, but what we can stop is how we handle temptation. As soon as the temptation comes through the devil, Eve engaged in conversation with the temptation rather than just rebuking it and walking away. She wanted to know more about it. Satan comes by the form of a snake and says, did God really say that you can't eat any of the fruits and she said, well, no, he didn't say we couldn't eat any of the fruits. He said we couldn't eat this fruit, one tree, one fruit from one tree. And then it goes on. Would well, you know why God wouldn't want you to do that? And she said, oh, I know, because we'll die. Oh, no, 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 you won't die. See, what the devil comes to do is he comes to twist what is true, because without truth, there's nothing else to twist. So he can only twist what is true to make it a lie and then try to package it in a way that you might want it. And he'll do it with whatever he can. And I think it's coincidental that the very first sin that's entering into humanity is coming through the form of pride. The very same sin, the very same temptation that the devil tried to get Jesus on flesh, on the earth, in. He said, Jesus is fasting for 40 days, he's away, and the enemy comes and he says, if you're really the son of God, throw yourself off of this mountain, be saved. If, it's his pride, it's, it's for him to say, I really am, let me prove it to you. Because that's the flesh. And in the same way, the devil comes to Eve in pride. Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 4, if you want to read it with me. But the serpent said to the woman, you'll not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You'll be like God. Pride, self-serving. Interesting that it started with a fruit and then we spend lots of life trying to gain fruit. Not talking about literal fruit. Go to Green's Produce and buy you some of that. Went and bought a couple of plums. Thought they'd last me a day or two. Got them home. Ate both of them immediately. Thought, <clears throat> why didn't I buy four plums? I don't know. It's like they were two for a dollar. I thought, I just need two. But should have got four. Lesson learned. Buy four plums. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> but that ever since temptation coming 
on behalf of fruit. We spend our life trying to gain fruit. Let me explain what I mean. It's not just fruit like you're trying to hoard it up, but you're trying to gain a life that is valuable. And when your life is valuable, you feel good about your life. And when your life is not valuable, you don't feel good about your life. When you look around and you see lots of fruit, now I'm talking in spiritual terms, when you see lots of things and joy and happiness that you're all having a good time, all the stuff you wanted, it's Christmas morning, you got everything you wanted, guess what? You're not feeling, you're not feeling, you know, all this pride coming up inside of you. You're not feeling embarrassed. You're happy. Everything's great. But when everything's not going well, all of a sudden pride starts to come in and tell you how good you're not. And how if you would serve yourself, you would be better off. You would be even like the promise from the devil here, would be like God. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 2, it says this. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with the humble is wisdom. With the humble is wisdom. This word disgrace tracing it back, is connected with words like shamed or condemned. The funny thing is that when we allow pride to become part of our life, what we become is what we're not. You're not condemned as a child of God, and you're not shamed as a child of God. But when we live in pride, what we're not supposed to be is therefore what we, be, we begin to think that we are. Man, we're feeling so ashamed. We're feeling so embarrassed. We're feeling so low. When rather we're separated and we're holy and we're righteous, but we can't feel that way because pride has now done its work. The thing is, when instead of being, pri- when instead of being proud, we choose to be humble, what do we get? Wisdom. And what does wisdom do? It keeps pride far away. It's an interesting kind of vicious cycle between the similarity of humility and humiliation. See, humiliation is me ashamed, embarrassed, and reduced to a lower state. I found that the difference, though, between humility and humiliation is not what happens, but rather my spiritual state. See, I get up on the stage, and I'm walking, and I trip and fall. It can humble me and remind me that God is good, he's in control, or it can humiliate me. It has nothing to do with really what happened, rather my response based on my inner spiritual well-being based on what happened. And so humiliation and humility, which are so close together, can have this effect or that effect depending not on what happens, but on what's happening inside of me. You might have heard somebody say before, it's not the storm outside of the boat that sinks the boat. It's once the storm gets inside of the boat, then the boat sinks. No matter how much the water is doing outside the boat, as long as the water's not in the boat, the boat can't sink. But the moment the storm, that water gets in the boat, now what happens to the boat? It begins to sink. It's not what's happening outside of you. It's about your spiritual well-being inside of you. Humiliation makes me feel small for what happened. Humility reminds me how big God is regardless of what happens. See, these are so close together, but they have a very different result. 
Humility reminds me that no matter what, God is enthroned. Humiliation says no matter what, I end up being embarrassed. This is the difference between humiliation and humility. This is the difference between pride and wisdom. It's a serious problem that has entered the world into Genesis chapter 3 and it has run its course ever since. And what is happening is the church is refusing to stand up and acknowledge and call it this root of pride that's in each of our lives. Therefore, it's continuing to have its work. And so we just keep thinking it'll go away, it'll go away, it won't be a big deal, it won't be a big deal. But here's the thing, it is a big deal and it's not going away until we decide that we're choosing wisdom and we're choosing to be humble before God instead of being humiliated before man. Rather, the hard things that are happening in my life, embarrassing me based on mostly strangers, which I'm not even in community with, rather than the hard things that are happening to me, causing me to get humble before God. And like I said, it's a cycle. Humiliation only leads to more pride. And more pride only leads to more humiliation. And the more proud I get, the more humiliated I get, and the more humiliated I get, the more proud I get to push against the humiliation. It just keeps going over and over again. But it's the same way with humility. Humility breaks down pride and brings me to wisdom. And wisdom keeps me from pride. Therefore, I'm not getting more proud. I'm getting more humble before God. And the more humble I get before God, the more wisdom I get. And the more wisdom I get, the less likely I am to slide into pride. Because now I see things differently than I saw before. I have wisdom, which is beyond anything the world has. It's what God has. It only comes from God. And those who seek it, find it. Sorry. Those who seek her, find her. Read the word of God. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4. The reward... For humility and the fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. The reward for humility is riches, honor, and life. Take the reverse of each one of those things. Being broke, being dishonored, and being dead. That's the reward for humiliation. See, if most of us have the opportunity between wisdom from God, and $10 million, we'd have to think long and hard about it. Just be honest with yourself. Oh, we're in church. Be spiritual. We take wisdom from God. But let's be real. $10 million right there, or for all of you, just into your bank account or whatever you do, into your cash app. Cash app it away. Or wisdom. And we'd be like, oh, man, that's a tough choice. The thing is, wisdom brings the $10 million. You get the $10 million, you'd go buy a nice house, buy your friends some stuff, go to In-N-Out Burger, you'd finish, man, I only got a million dollars left. <laughs> I paid taxes on it, then I paid property taxes on it, then I paid more property taxes on it. I don't got any money left. The good thing about wisdom is it continues to flow. It never stops. It's never going to run out. It's never going to run dry. You're never going to lack in it. The more you seek it, the more you find it. The more you find it, the more that's there. And you just keep going and you just keep finding more and more wisdom. The endless riches of God. And it leads to the very thing that we want. The irony was that God wanted Adam and Eve to know the depths of him. That was the path that they were on. They were on the path to do everything the devil was promising them. He was just promising them a lie which was a shortcut to the path to be just like God. The very same thing that he desired in his heart which he couldn't have. 
So pride, you get it. It's a problem. We need to kill it. We need it to die in our life. Why? So that humility can grow. And so that humiliation and embarrassment won't be what drives us. Because if that's what drives us, we're only getting further from God rather than closer. So how do we do it? How do we do it? How do we, how do we, how do we allow space for the Holy Spirit to kill pride in our life and to raise up a greater sense of humility inside of us? How do we do it? Well, I have got an incredible recipe for you tonight. I went to the fridge the other day, opened it up, saw some rotten bananas in there. That may discourage you. I can tell you right there, you're discouraged. Didn't discourage me. It excited me. You know why? Because I have wisdom from the Holy Ghost. And I know that rotten bananas make amazing banana bread. And I know there's someone who lives in my house that's neither me nor my son that makes incredible homemade banana bread. And so I got those bananas out of the fridge and I put them right there on the counter as to say, banana bread, please, by the power of the Spirit. And I came by about 20 minutes later and those bananas were not on the counter anymore. They were back in the fridge. <laughs> You're not gonna wanna miss this next week. Marriage Killers is gonna be good, all right. I've got an incredible recipe better than any banana bread that's gonna crush down the walls of pride in every person in this room's life and gonna build up a spirit of humility and here's what it is, serving. Serving. Because the very thing that pride wants us to do is to serve ourselves, and when we do the opposite of this, we're pushing ourselves closer into the presence of God. Now there's a ton of ways you can serve. There's a lot of ways. And you may find some great ways that are way better and more than I have of all of this. That's totally great. But I want to break down some ways for you today. Just three that I think will really help us. I want to make them really practical for our life this week that we can do it. Read this with me first. Galatians chapter 5. Starting in verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. How many know you were called to be free? But do not use your freedom. To indulge the flesh, come on. You're free to use your 90% of the money you get to buy whatever you want, but don't just buy Hulu only and watch it all the time. Don't only buy Frosties at Wendy's. I got one this week. Came to the line, I said, I'll have three. I was for other people, not just for me. I'll have three chocolate Frosties. She said, we're out of chocolate Frosties. We only have vanilla. I said, no problem. I actually wanted vanilla. Fun fact. Changed my mind. I want vanilla. Can I have vanilla? She said, yes. I indulge myself. But just don't always indulge the flesh. Don't let your freedom be just for you. But rather, let your freedom be for what? Rather, serve one another. How? Humbly in love. You're free. To do what? To make an impact on the people that are around you. To serve them in such a way that not only do they get blessed... But other people who are watching get blessed, and that's amazing. And then on top of that, while that's happening, pride in your life is being murdered. This is a great deal. Why? Because the word of God is good, it is true, it is powerful, and it is working. So let me tell you three things. Then you can go to dinner and your pumpkin patches and all that, all right? Number one, learn to listen. Learn to listen. Learn to listen to God. Learn to listen to others. Something you might want to adopt in your phrase of conversation is 
oh, tell me more. Because what we do most of the time is we're thinking in our head, will they ever stop saying dumb stuff so that I can finally interject and drop some awesome things into this conversation? I cannot wait until they stop talking so I can finally tell them all the things that I know inside of this ginormous brain squished in this size seven hat size head. That's my hat size. Your hat size can be eight. I don't mind. That's what we do. We're just waiting for a break in the conversation so we can insert things that we know in our head out of our mouth to say it because then we're we're awesome. And what's that? Pride. But rather than just waiting till a break in the conversation so that you can say something great, how about asking another question and actually caring about what they say? I'm sorry I'm being real right now, but you know you do it in your head and so do I. So instead, let's break it down and let's say, tell me something more about that. Anything else I could know about that? Oh, tell me more. Adopt whatever phrase you want to adopt. Say whatever you want to say. But the main thing is, learn to actually listen. And if you think you're a good listener, listen better. Know this, brothers, says in James chapter 1, verse 19. My beloved brothers, let every person, quick theological fact for when you're studying the word of God, when it says the word every, you trace it all the way back, in this case to the Greek, it means every. Just want you to know that. When it says the word person, I'm going to let you guess what it's talking about. Persons, all right? You're one of them. We're all included. Let every person... Be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Listening adds value and gains trust. You know what value and trust do? They begin to allow influence to flow. And you know whose influence it is? The Holy Spirit's. Because you've gotten out of the way with your pride. And all of a sudden now... I've become quicker to listen and slower to speak. And so you know what happens? I don't get as angry as I used to get. So now I'm not getting angry and flying off the handle. And since I'm not flying off the handle, guess what I also don't get? Embarrassed. Guess what I also don't get? Humiliated. Guess what I don't have to do? Go and apologize now. Why? Because wisdom is coming into my life because I'm choosing to listen rather than speak. Therefore, I can be humble instead of humiliated. Not just listening to people, that's incredible, also listening to God. Some of us this week need to become better listeners to the Father. A really great way to do that is to leave your phone behind for a second. I know. Put some solvent on there to get the glue off your hand from your phone. Take the Velcro off. Unplug it from your wrist. Do whatever you got to do. Set your phone down. Go somewhere in your house, outside, at the park, whatever. And listen to God. Take a piece of paper, take a pen, and write down what he says. Maybe for some of you, doing this for three minutes is a really long time. Great, do that. Maybe for some of you, 30 minutes is what you need to do. Maybe some of you, three hours is what you need to do. But stop going just to the Father and just shouting out all the things that are on your mind and all the things that are on your heart and just blah de blah de blah de blah and just going and going and going. And then you're like, okay, good, I got it all out. See you later, God. Talk to you next week. 
Now, the thing is, if anybody in the whole universe wants to hear your bloody blah, meaningless, nothing, whatever you got, hard, heavy, easy, all about that person you're dating and what your feelings, if anybody wants to hear that more than anybody else, it's God. Because he loves you more than anyone. And he will listen to your bloody blah for all night, all day, all universe. And guess what he's not going to do? He's not going to, most of the time, come and just interrupt you. Why? He's a good listener. So you know what he says? <gasps> Tell me more. Every time, that's what he says. He wants to hear you, but also when you decide that you're going to stop talking, you know what he has to give you? Wisdom. And you know what that wisdom does? It changes your blah blah That's what it changes. And we need it. Listening to people, listening to God. Leave your phone. You're too popular. It'll just ring. Or bing. Or vibrate. Or chirp. Or do whatever it's going to do. Play some hip-hop song. Or some smooth jazz. I don't know what you're into. But you don't need it there. Blank piece of paper, pen, listen to God. Second thing you need to know. Learn to love. Learn to love. Learn to listen. Number two, learn to love. Oh, but I love people. I know you do. Love them better. Love them more than you love yourself. This is what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in what? Humility. Count others more significant than yourself. Think of a need that you have this week. Take it. Set it aside. Good, it's there. You got it. Now, find somebody else in the world this week that has a need. It can be big. It can be small. It can be ginormous. It can be tiny. Find someone else who has a need and meet their need this week. Love them and counting them more significant even, it says, than you count yourself. Go through the line at your local coffee shop, at your Grounds and Gold, at your Inclusion, at your White Rhino. Okay, I'm going to stop. Go through the line at your local coffee shop and buy someone's coffee behind you. And then don't give them some like, oh, you know, like, here's my church card. Like, man, nobody did that. Just, just buy it and just love them, okay? That's it. If you want to give them the church card, give it to them later. But just, just love them. Find somebody in your, in your community and your, who you do life with that needs something and meet the need. Love them. This is what it says in John chapter 13. It says that the world around us will know us, that's the church, that's the people of God, by what? By how we love each other. So the world's looking around trying to find where's God and what's he like, and they're looking around at what? The people that are here, that's you and I, seeing, do they love each other? Do they have anything we don't have? And as soon as we're not operating in discord, dysfunction, and disunity, they're thinking, you know what? There might be something there. But then we blow it because we're selfish. We're proud. We're humiliated and we're embarrassed. Why? Because we care what they think. And the problem is most of them are lost and dying to go to hell. Why? Because we're too proud to go over because we're afraid that if we talk to them about God, we might get rejected. And that might hurt our self-esteem. Forget your self-esteem and think about the Savior of the universe and that people are dying and going to hell and they need you to go up to them and share the gospel and the good news. Paul writes and he says, I preach the gospel not with eloquent words. If I preached it with eloquent words, then you think I had something. But rather, I preach it with foolishness so you know I don't have anything. It's only the gospel. 
Love somebody. Meet a need. And that's going to break down walls of pride in our life. That's going to bring up a humble spirit that knows how to draw into the presence of the Father. And what's going to happen is more wisdom is going to come inside of us. Our eyes are going to be further open to see more needs. We're going to meet more needs. It's going to humble us more and break down more walls of pride. We're going to get deeper into the presence of the Father. That's going to open up our eyes more. Why? Because we get more wisdom. It's going to keep going over and over and over again. Thing number three. You're going to learn to listen. You're going to learn to love. And number three is you're going to learn to glorify. You're going to learn to glorify. You're going to learn to give glory more than you need to get glory. Because we love to get glory. Let's be honest. We love to walk in and everyone's like, oh, hey, I like those shoes. Did you put paint on them yourself? No, I didn't. I bought them like this. I ain't that cool. Walk in. Oh, man. This is the coolest flower. You know I was going to come over here, Brandon, but you can handle it because it's seriously, it's dope, and I'm going to borrow it. The cool, I'm going to preach it in a few weeks. Okay, you let me? Okay, good. This is the coolest flower sweater that I have seen all day. And here's the thing. Like, it's okay that it feels good for people to compliment you. But you know what else is good? When you compliment somebody else. And I'm not saying that you have to deflect everything. Please don't be that guy that just like deflects. Don't be that girl that just deflects. That's no fun. Just receive it and then know who to turn the glory back to. Oh man, you you like it? Oh, praise God that you like it. Because without God, it's nothing. Just know that other people around you also love glory and praise. And when we have it aligned with the Father and we give it to people, it's good and right. It's right to compliment. It's right to encourage. It's right to build up. This is the right thing to do. And all I'm saying is the word of God is calling us to give it more than we need to get it. So find some ways to hand out some glory and stop having our hands out looking like someone's going to put something in our hands all the time, always being the one that needs something. Guess what? I don't care how rich you are or what's going on. Everybody always needs something. Because if you got all the money in the world, you know what you're doing with your money? Trying to use your money to leverage your money to get more money. So what do you need? You need someone to help you leverage it. If you got no money, what do you need? You need something so you can have something to sell it to get some money. Everybody has a need. We're never going to stop needing. What I'm saying is, instead of having needs and just going out there looking for all those, instead, how about we go and give glory to the Father? Learn to glorify Oh, Pastor Mac, I praise God. Man, I'm so glad you do. I was in the room with lots of you tonight, and we were worshiping the king and giving him glory. Find other ways. Maybe you need to drive in your car, listening to a CD. Yeah. They're round. They go into the dash. And when the dash don't like them, it spits them out. Driving in your car, listening to a CD, and giving God praise. Maybe you need to drive in the car with no music and learn to give God praise with no music. Put yourself in the spot where people are driving by. They're looking at you like, that that guy's crazy. That's why I tinted my windows out. I don't want y'all seeing how crazy I am. I'm in the car. I'm singing. I'm giving God praise. I'm waving my hands. Ain't nobody can stop me. Why? I came to glorify God. That's what I got to do. Because when I glorify God, my pride dies and my humility grows. 
And when I stop, pride begins to come in my life and take power and authority over who I am. And you don't want me to be proud, and I don't want you to be proud. Rather, we should be humbled before the presence of God. Got to find a phrase, maybe. Maybe it's not music. Maybe you're not a music person. That's fine. I think everybody's a music person. They just deny it. Something in us that if we weren't trying to hold back when music plays, no matter how much rhythm or we do or don't have, we want, to, we want to do something to it. You know? It doesn't matter what it is. Something in us wants to respond to the rhythmic sounds that are happening. But rather that's not you. That's okay. You don't want to dance. You don't want to jump with me on the front row. We can still be friends. Maybe you just need to find a phrase. Find you a phrase to give God glory. You know what mine is? Praise God. It doesn't matter what happens. I can say it. We can say it with our friends. Man, what's going on, man? Praise God. What else are you going to do? You know what he says all the time? I don't know what you're doing if you're not praising God. I don't know what you're doing. Praise God. Find it. Give him glory. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I don't care what your phrase is so that when something happens to you, you're ready to give God glory. I was on vacation the other week, two weeks back. Vacation is great. Love vacation. Only problem with vacation is you have to come back. Every time I get there, I get about four days in, and I think, I'm not ready to go back. I want to stay. Why did we not make this trip five times longer? Oh, yeah, reality's back home. We got work to do, man. All right, well, anyways, so we went to vacation, and we were hanging out, and there was, like, this awesome pool that was there, you know? And next to the awesome pool was the cabana. Yeah, cabana. I was on vacation, man. It was a cabana that was there, and you had to walk between the cabana and the edge of the pool all the time to, like, kind of get by. And so I was hanging out, my wife was there, some of my friends were there, and lots of other random people that I didn't know were also at this pool on vacation. So that's what they were doing, that's what I was doing, vacationing all of us. So I'm walking by the pool, and I don't know what happened. My equilibrium went off. Old age is creeping in. I don't know. The Holy Spirit just gave me a nudge to keep me humble. I don't know what it was. But what I had been doing, which was walking, all of a sudden turned into a new thing, which you might have heard of, which is falling. It's not as good as walking. A lot more painful. And I fall for no reason into the pool. And the bummer was I was feeling so cool, man. I had my hair down. I had my glasses on. Abdiel was hyping me up like, oh, man, your hair looks so good, man. I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, woo, it feels so awesome. And I'm like, yeah, whoa. <laughs> and the, the bummer was where I fell was not like the, the, the pool pool. It was like the ledge. It was one foot deep, which is not this measurement at, at all. It was one foot deep. It was like a ledge where you could lay there in a chair. Yeah. So it wasn't like I could play it off like, oh, I was just getting in. No, nobody dives in right here, Mac, all right? So I'm walking, and I just, praise him, man. (laughs) I go right in, and there's no stopping it. You got a full commit on that. I went full commit, full send, all the way right into the pool. And I'm laying there, half covered in water, and I'm just like, you know what? Praise God. (laughs) Nothing else you can do. And you can choose in that moment to be embarrassed, and you can choose to be humiliated, Or you can just be humbled. 
And just know that you're not always going to do it right. Nobody's perfect. Nobody can ever not fall all the time. Someone's going to trip. At some point, you're going to mess up. And what can it do? It can draw you closer into the presence of God. Whether you're on vacation, whether you're at home, whether your hair's down, whether it's up, it doesn't matter. You're laying there full of water, and you can say, praise God. John chapter 15, verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Bearing much fruit is not about going out and getting all you can get. That's stealing fruit. Bearing much fruit is about listening to the people around you. Bearing much fruit is about loving the people that are around you. Bearing much fruit is about making kingdom impact to the people that are around you. Bearing much fruit is giving glory to the Father. What brings glory to the Father? Living a life discipled and making disciples. Bearing much fruit, eternal fruit that really counts. Learn to glorify Learn to love, learn to listen.